Eleven years ago, I wrote a book on race called Oneness Embraced, tracking the, both the historical, theological, biblical, and spiritual elements of issues related to race and justice and like topics. In light of all that has occurred in our culture over the last couple of years, it was determined to update that book, which is in process now, relative to include a response, reaction, and a critique of the more contemporary issues related to uh, what's happening in our society today. So we're currently in that process as we speak. That'll come out in January, but it's being worked on currently. At the core of the racial debate today and racial conflict, and in many places, animus, is the issue of critical race uh, theory, CRT. On the 4th of July, there are firecrackers that explode all over. Things are shot up into the air. Things that start off as solid, once the explosion occurs, spreads. And so lights are flickering everywhere so that you can no longer see what was originally launched because what was originally launched has exploded. This is what has happened to the issue of race in America and critical race theory in particular. An explosion has occurred from an original uh, theory that has left everybody asking me and each other the question, what in the world is critical race theory? It's hard to find a definition because of the explosions that have occurred. So I want to give you a definition before the explosion so that you can grab what we are saying it is and what the originators of it say that it is. It's just a group of about five who crafted critical race theory. And then I want to look at the explosion that occurred that has led to the crisis and confusion that we deal with today. And then I want to conclude with a biblical response. How should we as Christians uh, respond to this? Because we ought to be people of the truth. And so let me start with a definition of critical race theory before the explosion, that is, at its core, at its foundation. Critical race theory, CRT, is a post-civil rights social construct, I'll say something about that in a moment, that seeks to demonstrate how the embedded foundation and filter through which racist attitudes, behavior, policies, and structures have been rooted throughout the fabric of America, American life and systems even after those laws were changed. Let me say that again. It's a post-civil rights co social construct. A social construct is where people have come together on a conclusion about a matter in society. 
You can have social constructs related to education. You can have social constructs related to money. You can have social constructs related to uh, sexual orientation. Those are, you, we, we're facing a social construct related to what is being concluded about a certain matter. So this social construct of CRT wants to look at how unjust laws that were racist in nature filtered themselves into the operating systems of the culture. So when the unjust laws filtered themselves, it became a way of life. These unjust laws, racist in nature, accrued to the benefit of one part of the population, meaning the white race, to the detriment of another part of the population, meaning African-Americans and to uh, a lesser degree, uh, other minority groups. Because these were laws, it was the way that things were operating by permission because they were laws. We all know about slavery laws and there were many of those. Many of us grew up with Jim Crow laws of the South where there were official standards inculcated and established that allowed one group to benefit and another group to be disenfranchised. When the laws changed and bad laws were made right, like the 1964 uh, Civil Rights Act, the 1965 uh, Voters' uh, uh, Rights Act, when the laws changed, the system had already been infiltrated with the previous unrighteous laws and unjust laws. So that even though laws changed, the effect of those laws did not automatically, and to varying degrees still today, did not change with it. So the fruit, like Adam's sin carries fruit, the fruit of unrighteous laws still expressed themselves in the structures of society, whether they're educational, whether they're political, whether they are social, whether they deal with criminal justice issues, whether they're economic, because the laws previous affected all of society, it therefore infiltrated all of society, the argument of CRT goes, so that even today, Many people have to struggle with the issue of racism, not because it's a law, but because it's an environment that was affected by laws. So critical race theory seeks to track how the legal implications uh, of the unjust laws manifest themselves today. Take the law, for example, of redlining. 
redlining in the 1930s was established to uh, segment populations tied to location and race. And the color red, which is why it's called redlining, was given to predominantly African-American communities. And a red line meant this was a hazardous community. A hazardous community meant that mortgages would not be loaned out to home buyers. It meant disinvestment. You wouldn't invest in a red-lined community because it was viewed as hazardous. Well, what that meant for those communities that was the ability to, to buy a home, to establish neighborhoods, to get loans, to put in businesses were not allowed. Well, in those red-lined districts, what happened was generations were born into those districts. And when generations were born into those districts, that meant the repercussions of the red line was being transferred to one generation after another because they were locked out and weren't fully allowed to participate. Well, redlining laws got changed, but some of the generational influence of those laws still had effect because the people uh, who were affected by it were transferring that reality because they were never able to get out of it and they were locked into it. And so that is the concept of, of this. Now, when the subject of systemic racism comes up, which is where this winds up, racism tied to systems. Well, let me, let me first define racism uh, so that we make sure we're talking about the same thing. Racism, I define as the conscious or subconscious or unconscious belief in the superiority of one race over another race or ethnicities, which manifests itself in a variety of dismissive, oppressive, exploitive ways. Racism shows up in the use of the power of influence, use of power to influence resources or communication, which is employed to discriminate against, marginalize, exploit, or subjugate people of another race or ethnicity. Let me put it in a little syllogism. When unaddressed prejudice gets married to power, there is going to be an unintended pregnancy that will give birth to the evil of racism. When an, when an unaddressed prejudice gets connected to power, gets married to power, then it's going to have an unintended consequence which gives birth to the evil of racism. So racism is the decision, consciously or unconsciously, to discriminate against a person of another race. When we talk about systemic racism, I'll, I'll define that because all this comes together, Systemic racism is the presence or secular resultant effects of racist practices and processes embedded in and shape, shaping the social, political, economic, legal, educational, infrastructural, medical uh, systems and policies of a society uh, initially established and perpetuated by the government. These then overlap and interconnect 
in such a way as to give an unjust advantage of resources, rights, mindsets, and privilege for majority number of one race while denying or limiting it to a majority number of another race or ethnicities. Now this is often called white privilege, the benefits that accrue because of the laws that were established and the systems that continue to benefit those who benefited from the original laws to the disadvantage to minority groups. And so it's talking about systems. CRT is not concerned with your individual racial profile. It's not concerned with whether you are a racist. CRT is concerned about racism infiltrating the structures and the systems of society and how those structures continue to have negative effects on minority people. Let me give you a relevant illustration that you and all of us are participating in, be you white or black. Um, as everyone knows, we now own the golf course across the street. That is 155 or so prime acres in the southwest section of Oak Cliff. I wanted us to buy that land not having anything to do with golf, but controlling what happens in our community. So the motivation wasn't related to golf, it was related to kingdom influence in the community. But let me tell you the story of the golf course across the street. It used to be a farm. In 19, mid 1950s, a man sold it and it was purchased and turned into a golf course. The rule was black people could not play on the golf course. That was the rule. So we'll call that an unjust law. It then got turned over into membership ownership. So it was owned by like 100 members. The rule was we don't have the law because things were changing in society. We don't have the law that blacks can't be members, but we're gonna set up a system that does not allow them to be members. So what the system was, was before you become a member, an existing member had to recommend you, okay? But when the existing member recommended you, two thirds of the membership had to vote for you. So let's say an Anglo man has a great black friend. Nothing about him is racist. And he goes to the club and he says, I want my African-American friend to become a member of this club. Well, he's got to do that up against the system. And that system says two thirds of us have to agree with the way you feel. And no, until 1994, no black would be voted in because of the system, not because there was this law, it was this system that came from a law. But let's say you're part of the one third, if you're Anglo, you're part of the one third that voted to let him in. 
Well, you still lost because the two-thirds did not vote that way. Now, you could come out and argue, but I am not one of those people. I am not a racist. And you could be absolutely right, but the system that you are a part of is. And because you're part of that system, you get swept up even though you're not a personal racist and even though you voted the other way because the system didn't allow your non-racist perspective to win. CRT is concerned with systems that operate unfairly in all of these different areas that doesn't allow in health for people to get good food or proper care or uh, whatever them because systems were set up that have rollover effect even if people in the system are not personally racist. So when a person says, I am not a racist, they could be absolutely true, absolutely true, but CRT is concerned with the system, not with an individual person. So you make that distinction. So that is the concept of CRT. Now, that's fine. That deals with laws. That deals with infiltration. That deals with contemporary effects. So far, so good. Probably don't have too much of a problem there until the iterations set in. So this is where it gets interesting. Uh, in August 2019, Nicole Hannah-Jones wrote a series of articles in the New York Times Magazine, and it became known as the 1619 Project. In Jamestown, Virginia, in August of 1619, 20 African-American slaves came to this country as indentured servants, meaning you work for so many years and then you can work out your freedom. But they came. When these 20 or so slaves came, that led to a growth in slave trade, to make a long story short, where indentured servantry was replaced with slavery which was cheap or free labor, in order for the profitability and the economic development through workers here in the colonies. The 1619 Project said that the American Revolution was not about freedom from England. The American Revolution was about 13 colonies preserving slavery. So the 1619 Project says, America really didn't begin in 1776. America began in 1619, when slavery was first introduced, codified. So there's a revolutionary war because the 13 colonies want to be free from England for the purpose of not having England interfere with the economic productivity of slavery. So they threw a whole nother concept into the race discussion. And when they threw this concept, 
Now the issue became the definition of America. Does America exist for freedom from England, English tyranny, or does America exist to protect slavery? Well, once that happened, follow me now, that got plugged in the CRT. CRT was concerned about racist laws. CRT was not concerned with 1619. 1619 came after CRT, but it got plugged into it. So now the issue is, is CRT saying that America was established to be a racist nation? So now CRT has gotten pregnant with a bigger issue about the definition of America. May 2020, George Floyd is killed in Minneapolis, Minnesota. When George Floyd is killed in Minneapolis, Minnesota, there is this national outcry about systemic racism, particularly with related to police brutality and the like, and the growth of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, though, is two things, not one. It's an emphasis and an entity. It's a movement and an organization. The movement said the lives of black people matter. In the same way that uh, white evangelicals would say the lives of the unborn matter, or all of us as evangelicals say that, uh, the lives of the unborn matter. Well, black lives matter, okay? So there was this movement. Out of the movement or concurrent and concomitant with the movement, is an entity that says Black Lives Matter, but they both use the same name. So when you say Black Lives Matter, are you talking about the movement? You're talking about the entity? You're talking about both? Well, because the entity, Black Lives Matter, if you look it up on the web, wants to dissolve the black nuclear family because the entity wants to promote transgender rights. And they say this, that's the entity. But you got an entity and a movement using the same name. It gets plugged in the CRT. So CRT is growing now. On one side, there's 1619 plugged into it. On another side, there's the Black Lives Matter. So now if you're against Black Lives Matter, the entity, you could also be accused of being against Black Lives Matter, the movement because folks are not necessarily making the distinction. If you agree with the movement, you could be accused of agreeing with the entity. And all of that gets plugged into CRT. Something else comes to the forefront. Are y'all with me now? I hope I'm not boring you. It's so, so something else comes to the forefront. Because the originators of CRT, some are overtly Marxist, some are more socialist than Marxist, and we can get into a discussion between the difference between socialism, communism, fascism, and all of that. That's, but, but to varying degrees are Marxist. 
at the core of Marxism, to make a long story short, is dividing people into tribes, into groups, into divisions. Uh, Marx would call it the proletariat, the worker, versus the bourgeoisie. So what are you seeing today in schools? A clash. What are you seeing today? Whites feeling like you're calling me part of the oppressor. I haven't done anything. Blacks feeling you're calling me part of the oppressed. You got one group that wants CRT. You got another group that's against CRT because it's gotten now convoluted. The, the, in other words, the firecracker has exploded now. And it's all over the place. And we are, we are divided because now the disciples of these movements, depending on their own bent toward Black Lives Matter, their own bent toward 1619, their own bent toward Marxist uh, philosophy, when they talk about CRT, they'll put that spin on it. And so when parents hear this in the schools, white parents are saying, what are you, what are you doing teaching my child this? Some black parents are raising up. What are you doing teaching my child this? Then you have the other side, the teachers union, say we're gonna teach this because we need to teach true history. Well, the problem is so much has gotten attacked to it and convoluted it that it, it is now taking on a whole new life of definition. So this problem of race, and there's so much we could talk about, I don't have time to go to it, I mean, when, when I started getting on radio, uh, there was a system in place. All, all, the, all the, the Christian radio stations across the, uh, the nation, they would not let on a daily black speaker. But not because there was a law, but because there was a system. And that system would not allow for it. And one told me why. He says, the reason we can't let on a black speaker daily is that would offend too many of our white listeners. Okay? So, so, so he, he gave me some inside scoop. And so we set up a system where, where we just don't have room. We don't have times available. We don't have, so, so you get these denials. And of course, God will rule that. But the point is that there were systems in place that weren't necessarily based on laws. And CRT at its root wants to track how that is showing up today in different ways. And I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get all, through all this stuff. But anyway, uh, uh, that, that's some of the, see, because now it's been blown up. Uh, I didn't get into intersectionality, because now all other kind of things, sexism has gotten attached to it, and transgender has gotten attached to it. And now you've got critical sex theories and all that that gets plugged in, the critical race theory. So it's, it's now all over the place. We're leaving lack of clarity, confusing Christians, Christians across racial lines are divided on this thing. My phone's blowing up from all over the country. What are we going to do? My congregation is divided. I got parents calling me saying the, the black kids or the white kids, we used to play together and not think about it. Now we can't even have fellowship because we got, we got voices coming over here and voices coming over there. And, and, and now it's, it's interfered with our personal relationships and all of that. That's because of the iterations have taken one thing, blown it up, made it a bigger thing. The bigger thing is confusing, and it is infiltrated now all or many or most of the sectors of society, including the military. So now everybody's talking about critical race, but they don't know what they're talking about because they could be talking about any iteration of critical race, which means they're never going to agree. So that, that, that's where we are. Now, where do we go with this? All right, I would like to propose in humility, the Tony Evans 
theory. And I'm going to call it KRT. Not CRT, KRT. KRT, Kingdom Race Theology. All right? All right. So let me define Kingdom Race Theology. I define Kingdom Race Theology as the reconciled recognition, affirmation, and celebration of the divinely created ethnic, should be ethnic differences through which God displays his multifaceted glory as his people justly, righteously, and responsibly function personally and corporately in unity under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, my concern is that we as Christians will spend so much time fighting off a of CRT, we don't get around the KRT. Now, let me defend my new thing. <laughs> okay. Go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. And I'll highlight, I'll walk through this and, and hit the high points. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision. Okay? That's the way the Jews, the circumcision, called the Gentiles. They called them names. They called them the N-word. The Jews' circumcision would look at a Gentile and call them uncircumcision. Or, and sometimes they call them uncircumcised dogs. So it was a demeaning. This is Paul writing the Christians at Ephesus. These are Jews and Gentiles in the same church. And Paul says, y'all used to call each other names. You know why they did? Because that was their history, their background. It was their reality. Black and whites have a history. And it included laws and name calling and oppression. The Jews were privileged. They had benefits that the Gentiles did not possess. But now the Gentiles have entered in and Paul has to make this point. Y'all are now Christians. You're going to the same church, so it's time for new rules. In other words, I know you got your background. I know they used to call your names. I know there was racial division and there's a lot of racial issues in the Bible. I know all of that, but let me tell you how we're going to move forward from here. He says, call the uncircumcision uh, by the so-called circumcision. Remember that you were at times separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth. But here's the word beginning in verse 13. But now, I know how it was. I know how bad it was. I know they didn't like you. I know they had benefits you didn't have. But now, he now is going to give a Christocentric perspective 
a kingdom, if you will, sunny perspective. In Christ, you were formerly far, far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now watch this, verse 14. He himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, broke down the barrier, barrier of the dividing wall. Look at the end of verse 15. Make the two groups into one new man, thus establishing peace. Verse 16, reconcile them both into one body. Verse 17, preach peace to you who were far off, you who've been isolated, and peace to those who were near, the Jews. Verse 18, in one spirit to the Father. Verse 19, no longer strangers, outcasts, second-class citizens, aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints of God's household. Verse 22, being built together into a dwelling place of God. My two words are but now. Now here's the deal. If you're spending more time discussing CRT than you are KRT, that is this, then you've been tricked by the world. You should know about it. You should understand it. I've tried to give you a brief overview, but, but no, no, no. He says, no, we got to start now. We got the history. He even says we were name calling, but now in Christ, there are new rules. And if you will abide by the new rules of Christ, we will create something new. So while they're fighting out there, we have peace in here because we're operating on one new man. When I drink my coffee, I got black coffee, but I got white cream. I got black coffee, but I got white cream. Well, what I do is I put white cream in black coffee. When I put white cream in black coffee, I got something new. Cause what I started with is not how it looks right now. What was white and black is now brown because I have put something new together which makes it drinkable for me. God can't drink what we're offering him because black people are offering him black, white people are offering him white, and God said, you better put some cream up in this coffee. One new man. We are to be crafting something new. But let me make sure you understand, God is not colorblind. I know people don't, well, we need to be colorblind. No, you don't. God is not colorblind. Revelation 5, 9, Revelation 7, 9. John says, I saw people from every nation, every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue, and I could see their differences. God is not colorblind, but he doesn't want us to be blinded by color. He doesn't want our hue to define our relationship. We are going to be different. We're supposed to be different, but he says Christ is supposed to be all in all. So the issue are what are his rules, kingdom rules, that all of us are so supposed to abide by. And he says, when you decide to do that, you become part of one new man.
uh, when, when the orchestra is warming up and everything, and they're warming up, uh, and uh, uh, it's discord, it's just noise. Uh, this instrument's playing this, this is, it's just noise. Until a conductor comes out. The conductor comes out and he taps down. Everybody gets silent. And now what was noise is now a song. But the instruments aren't the same. There's the saxophone, there's the violin, there's the, there's the piano. There's, I mean, all the, the instruments were as different then as they are now. What's the difference? The conductor has come out. And once the conductor is coming out, he is controlling what the instruments are playing. Even though the instruments are still different, but they're playing his song. See, what we've got is black and white playing their own songs. Well, you can do that in the world if you want to still cuss and fuss and fight. But in the kingdom of God, we're playing his song. And when we're playing his song, you can use your own racial instrument as long as you're playing his song. And so what he is saying is, I am after one new man. And in this new man, the Bible makes it clear, racism, as we've defined it, not racial differences, is to never be tolerated. Okay, but now let's make sure we understand. Because of history, there are racial sensitivities. Okay? I was um, talking to a gentleman. He was about five years younger than me, Anglo guy. And uh, I was talking to him at the house. And in the conversation, he called me boy. Okay? Now, there's a history to boy and black people. Okay? For those of you who don't know that history, it goes all the way back where, where old men would be called boy by kids because they were black and the kids were white. And so they had the privilege of demeaning an older man. So there's a history. So when he said boy, I, I felt that. I felt that. Okay? Because there, there's history to the term. So I felt that, and, and, I, and I'm debating now, do I say something, and do I sound like a Christian when I say it? Do I say something? No, just kidding. Now, a few minutes later, another guy comes in who's like my age, who's white. And he called him boy. When, it, when he called him boy, it changed how I looked at him. I looked at him one way because I just heard boy. But when I saw him do that to his own race, who was my age, then I concluded, well, this is evidently how he talks. But because I had sensitivity that I didn't have clarity on, I reacted out of my sensitivity. When blacks, whites come together, they come together with the sensitivity. The reason why we have a talk with our boys, the talk, is because of sensitivities. When a police comes up behind me, I've had experiences of being pulled over, ask, being asked, why are you in this neighborhood? So that creates a sensitivity. And when I know how some might feel toward African-Americans, that sensitivity is there at a higher level. Now, that policeman may not be racist. He may be as scared as me as I am of him, okay? And he may not be, but the sensitivities are there. That's why, at least in the body of Christ, and our racial commitment to each other has to, through the Bible, 
give deference to people creating the opportunity to either correct or to clarify. Because when you don't do that, you could be passing illegitimate judgment, okay? Some people do what they do because of the system they're in, not because of the person they are. But if you take the system and put the system on top of the person, you may be letting a system judge a person when the person is not uh, agreeing with the system. And unless that exists, at least within the church, within the body of Christ, we will not have the kind of impact and influence that God wants us to have. Paul corrected Peter when Peter was a racist. Uh, God uh, corrected uh, Mir uh, Miriam when she objected to Moses marrying a black wife. Uh, uh, Moses married a black wife. God turned Miriam white because of her, her rebellion against a God-ordained, a God-authorized relationship. Uh, so God judges sin. So sin of racism should not be skipped. It should be judged, but it must always be done with the biblical principle of love, where we give the opportunity to correct or to clarify so that we come with an understanding. The, the church of Jesus Christ right now is a bad testimony to the healing that needs to occur in our country and in our culture. Well, that may be true out there, but it won't be true at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship because we are one new man, okay? And the white person or the Indian person or the, because we're predominantly African-American or the Hispanic person is to be given as much value, as much significance, as much embracing as you would do a black brother or a black sister. Why? Here's why. Because I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. It's Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Here's the principle. When your race trump God's word, you have made your race an idol. When your race trumps God's word, you've made your race an idol, and God rejects idolatry. Okay? Whether it's white privilege idolatry, or whether it's black overreaction idolatry, like the movement Black Lives Matter. Not the emphasis, but the movement that becomes idolatry, okay? And so where you have idolatry, God rejects it. But now this thing is all over the place. It's now in politics. It's now in all kind of division. It's all now in, uh, in, in social arenas, educational arenas, and it may not be able to be fixed out there. I don't know. They're trying, but they don't agree. So when they don't agree, can two walk together unless they agree? Bible says no. Our key is to agree in there, in here, and let it be known what our agreement is out there. To stick with God's standard. To tell history and tell the truth. You don't marginalize it, you don't whitewash it. You tell the truth, the whole truth. You know, slavery was horrible. Uh, uh, and then Jim Crow, you got 4,500 uh, men who were, uh, who were slaughtered. You got Black Wall Street who was uh, uh, burned down. You got Rosewood, uh, a whole town that was burnt down simply for illegitimate racial reasons. You go on and on and on. You don't skip those stories. You don't pretend like they're not in history, but you come, you must move forward to one new man, okay? So that's where we are going.